everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. We scour the internet so you don't have to in order to focus on the confirmed news and updates. This episode, we're bringing you the news and updates through August 28th. We're going to start this episode with some terribly sad, tragic news. On Tuesday, Alexandra Paul, 2014 Olympian, three-time Canadian bronze medalist, and 2010 World Junior Silver Medalist, with her partner turned husband, Mitchell Islam, died in a multi-vehicle accident in Ontario this past week. Alex was in the car with her son, Charlie, who was hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. This was shocking news. We heard about it uh, through a friend who messaged me and had a day or two to process it before it was actually released out into the world. And it really took us a couple of days to get through the shock of it. And in some ways, I think we're not through the shock of it. No. Um, no, not at all. I didn't know Alex. We have several friends who actually did know both of them. And it's been very sad, very difficult. As a group, as a team, we've talked through um, our thoughts and feelings and it's a, a huge tragedy. Alexander was only 31 years old. It's a terrible loss for the skating community, but especially for her husband, uh, Mitch, they they teamed up in 2009 and became an off-ice duo as well. And they were married in 2021. Of course, Charlie was born October 2022. It's really hard to sum up into words. We here from this podcast definitely send our heartfelt sympathy and our love and thoughts are with Mitch and Charlie and the Paul and Islam families, um, being respectful of their privacy during this time. Uh, there were a couple of articles that came out, and um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about those before we proceed. We are recording our regular episode. Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk a little bit about uh, Paul and Islam and about... Um, some different things that were happening as a result of this news. Well, one thing too, um, it's not just the skating community that's grieving as well. Um, I don't know if many people know, uh, Alex became a lawyer and was working at a law firm and they're grieving just as well, um, as well as, you know, our, our skating community. Um, you know, the news when we had heard it, I think the first response was what? Like that was my first response back. I just couldn't believe it. Um, I felt like here we go again. Um, our community is facing another difficult loss. Um, you know, we've had um, Dennis Tun. Um, we had uh, Chris Reed. I mean, and here we are losing another bright light in our skating world. Um and so 
And then, you know, when the news came out on Friday, it was just another, like, it, it still hasn't sunk in, I think. Um, I did not know Alexandria Paul as well. Um, I watched her, of course, and I watched her and Mitch, and I, you know, enjoyed their skating. And, of course, when the news came out, what is the first thing I do is I start and go back and watch some of their programs, and I can talk about some of my favorites. But one thing I I am so glad our little skating world cuz it's it's little but it's big um and it definitely is showing um and it's not just I guess I shouldn't say it's just the skating world but a lot of people from the skating world are participating in this GoFundMe and to see the numbers just keep growing of donations and stuff um that is going towards Mitch to help him. Um, that's who I'm. I'm just so crushed for. A, you know, a young dad now facing a life without his partner um, in raising their son. Uh, it's just it's so hard. Um, but to see, I think the last check was over two hundred and sixteen thousand dollars in Canadian for that GoFundMe account. That it just warms my heart um, with just such difficult news that we've had this week. It's really been heartbreaking. I think that's, that's the word I think that best encompasses Mm -hmm. the feelings when it comes to this news. And it should be noted the original goal for the GoFundMe was 40,000 Canadian. (laughs) And again, like we saw with the Todd Sand mm-hmm. GoFundMe, I think this little skating community, when something happens, mm-hmm. they will spring into action. And I'm grateful to be part of this community, yes. especially when you see how quick everyone is to take care of each other. It's it's heartwarming to see that it it just reminds you that you don't have to be all in it yourself alone, mm-hmm. that people will jump to help you. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that the community stepped up and is doing this for Mitch, for Charlie, because I think it just shows the dedication that people have to this sport. And I, I looked through some of the GoFundMe names uh, for people who had donated and it really is a who's who of mm-hmm. you know Canadian not just Canadian no. but international yeah. skaters as well and and people that have stepped up our team from icedance.com pulled together some funds to send a donation it's not something that we do very often but in situations like this we feel it's important to um to do what we can to help. And so we worked on that. There are some other things in the works over at IDC um, that are just going to take a little more time to put together. One thing I wanted to mention, um, it was in the obituary that a reception is going to be held to celebrate and honor Alex's life. It's going to be held this Thursday, August 31st from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Barrie Country Club in Barrie, Ontario. 
In lieu of flowers, they're asking that folks make a donation to the Hospital for Sick Children, Royal Victoria Regional Health Center in Barrie, or the Alzheimer Society of Simcoe County. We'll put that um, information in our show notes. Yeah. As well as links. There yes. are a couple of links to the GoFundMe. There's an article. Um, I watched a video where uh, the reporters were speaking with Alex's good friend, Kristen Moore Towers, who had some really wonderful things to say about Alex. So when Alex and Mitch first kind of paired up, they had a fantastic first season. They were second at Junior Worlds that year. And a lot of people compared their elegant style to that of the early days of Virtue and Moyer. They had just this way about them, their carriage, their details mm -hmm. in their skating were just so precise and just um, so balletic and beautiful and so it was a big reminder. Um, in 2014, they earned a spot on the Olympic team. So they were able to go to the Olympics in Sochi, Russia. They quietly retired in December of 2016. And um, before her death, Alex, as I mentioned, was 31. Mitch is 33. Um, you look at that age and you realize, wow, there's still some teams that are competing at that mm -hmm. age. But Mitch is now the director of ice dance at Mariposa, which is where he learned to skate. And as Gina mentioned, Alex graduated law school. She was working at a law firm in Barrie. Mitch is really busy with coaching. One of his teams, uh, Dana Sabatini Speciale and Nicholas Bulo, received a Junior Grand Prix assignment. They were supposed to skate in Budapest um, later in the JGP. And I know that Alex did some work sometimes with Mitch's teams. She would just pop in and and just work with the teams probably on just presentation and just different parts. Um, but Gina, you mentioned that you had some, yeah. some favorite programs. So I kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of those. Yeah. Well, first off, too, with the quiet retirement, it was like, I don't think anyone expected them to retire um, because I feel like their retirement was so premature and we could have seen mm -hmm. so much more from them. Um, but, I, you know, I was glad that Mitch continued, you know, to work with the future um, and has done some great things up there in Mariposa. Um, but yeah, back to my favorite programs. Um, so I've been, yeah, again, you, first thing you do when you think of this is, you know, news happens, you start to watch old stuff to make you kind of feel better. And so I was going back and two that I wanted to point out that were my favorites of theirs was their 2015, um, world's free dance. It was, um, to Peter Gabriel's in your eyes, which Daphne reminded me it was a change from their program from earlier in the season. Um, they This was a popular exhibition for them, and then they transitioned it to a free dance. And I like it, and I keep thinking of, oh, if only maybe someone could skate it to it for the 80s, because Peter Gabriel in Your Eyes is an 80s song. But I, it just was so, it was beautiful and simple and just elegant looking to it. And my other favorite one was their short dance um, 
called it Short Dance in 2016. Um, and it was the Tales of Beatrice Potter. And Alex had this pink dress and it was kind of tutu looking. Um, and it really was a ballet. It, and it showed, I, I believe Alex did ballet training and it really was just so beautiful. Um, that was definitely my favorite of all time from them. But yeah, I've been going back and looking and watching and wish there were more videos of them. I didn't find as many and I was trying to like look back at what did they skate to and trying to remember in my mind. Um, and I wish, you know, maybe there were, they would have continued a little longer. I, you know, I definitely felt when they did retire that it was a bit premature for them. Um, we could have seen, I think, more greatness out of them. Um, so, yeah. It's great, as you said, that Mitch decided to continue um, some great work. Because his dad, actually, I believe, was the ice dance director at Mariposa before Mitch. Yeah. So, um, it's great to see him get to continue a family tradition. Yeah. And also already having some success with his team. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're sending our love and our sympathy to Mitch, Charlie, the Paul and Islam families and friends who are now mourning the loss of Alex. So, we are going to move on to cover um, the rest of our agenda for today. We, ha we have some events, we have some things to talk about, so we're going to move on to that now. Um, Gina, why don't you kick us off with some event results? Yeah, so we'll get started right with the Junior Grand Prix in Bangkok. So we started the Junior Grand Prix season, um, and so just a couple general things I want to talk about. First, you know, we had some issues with the live stream and replays on day one. Uh, maybe because it was in Bangkok, but, and I don't know, but it did get corrected as, as the weekend went on. And the first day Mark wasn't able to join Ted, um, for the second half of the women's short program or for any of the men's short program. Again, better for day two, Mark and Ted were both there. Um, I noticed right away that it was a very small arena but perfect size for the JGP because it felt like the audience was right there on the ice with them and they were loud and supportive just like a JGP is. Um, now the ISU has started to upload individual skaters and team videos on their YouTube channel. Again, there were some problems at the beginning of the week and there are playlists for the rhythm dance, free dance, and then the men and women's free skate. I'm, I'm not sure if there will be for the short program because that's when they were, ha were having the issues. But you'll find the links to that playlist in our show notes. So Daphne, do you want to talk about the men? Yeah, so point one five separated first and second in the men's event. Japan's Ryo Nakata opened his program with a flawless quad toe. He was so excited at landing it that he did a little fist bump. And followed by a triple axle, triple toe combination. He scored almost 26.5 points just for those elements. He moved up from third after the short to win the gold medal, his second JGP medal of his career after a silver last year in Riga, Latvia. 
Francis Francois Pitot landed seven of his eight planned triples, rotating both triple axles. He was in second after the short and stayed in second to win his first JGP medal since 2021. New Zealand's Yan Hao Lee, who was fourth after the short program, won a historic medal for New Zealand. He landed six triples in his free skate. Team USA's Jacob Sanchez, who was in first after the short program, he skated so well in the short, dropped to fourth overall, and Team USA's Michael Jay pulled up from 11th after the short program to finish sixth overall with a sixth place free skate. Well, moving on to the women, Japan's Ami Nakai popped her triple axle to a double axle. But that didn't let her, it didn't bother her one bit. She had a strong skate. I noticed quickly her, you know, I noticed how quick her rotation is into her jumps. Um, I kind of like the program too because she is skating to Mandy Moore's Only Hope, which is from the movie A Walk to Remember. (laughs) And I think I've watched that movie hundred times or so I probably it's my go-to movie when I just need to sit at home and just watch a movie so I like this program um I think I saw Danielle and Melanie tweeting about um only hope so um tell me this Gina (laughs) can you watch it without tissues uh yeah I can because I think I've seen it so many times (laughs) I can't um I can't there's just yeah no not possible. <laughs> I think it's just because I've really watched it so many times that I can get through it. But like the first, maybe first dozen times, yes, I had to have tissues. Yeah. But now oh. I think I've gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah. It, sometimes it's the movie I'll put on even when I'm cleaning. So I'm not totally paying attention to it. But then I sit down and I, and I watch. So, yeah. But back to the Junior Grand Prix. Korea's Yusung Kim. Her first Junior Grand Prix, she did manage the triple axle. She had an outstanding free free skate, great speed into her jumps. Um, Again, the opening triple axle was impressive. She became the 25th woman to land a triple axle in international competition. Now, Yoo Song is the twin sister of Yoo Jae, who was the 24th woman to land a triple axel in international competition and placed fourth at the 2023 Junior World. So these twins are really good here. UJ um, will compete her first Junior Grand Prix of the season in Osaka, and Yusong will compete her second in Hungary. So they will not be at the same Junior Grand Prix events. I did think I saw, I think I saw a tweet or something where um, there was FaceTiming going on between the sisters. So that's really cool. Um, Korea's Hee Han, who was sixth after the short program, jumped up to claim the bronze medal, her first Junior Grand Prix medal. And USA's Annika Chow, on competing her first Junior Grand Prix, uh, such a beautiful skater. I noticed that watching her beautiful lines and extensions, uh, really tight landings. She was third after the short program, but finished fifth in her Junior Grand Prix debut. So to round out the competition, the dance event, USA's Leah Nesset and Artem Markolov decisively won their first JGP gold. 
Francis Selena Fragi and Jean Hans Fernot took second. It's their second JGP silver medal in two years. In a bit of a surprise, but a good one, South Korea's Jin Kim and Namu Lee, who are training with Aaron Lowe and Megan Wing in Vancouver, won bronze on the strength of their third place in the rhythm dance. They edged out Canada's Leila Veon and Alexander Brandeis by 0.16 points. Um, so congratulations. That was really an exciting finish. And they've improved a lot in, you know, the last season because their rhythm dance score, their previous season's best was like 10 points behind what they achieved at this competition. Well, we have another Junior Grand Prix this week, and we'll talk about that later, but we'll move on to some NQS events. Battle of the Blades was an NQS event for singles and pairs that took place in Fort Wayne, Indiana. In the men's event, Joseph Klein won the free skate, landing a clean opening triple axle, and he finished first overall. Nathan Chapel finished in second, and Will Annis, who was in first after the short program with a clean quad toe, dropped to third. For the women, Finley Hawk won the senior women's event, and Alina Bonello won the junior event. Tiara Shinohara won the junior men, scoring over 200 points. Wow. Well, in pairs, the only senior team, Lindsay Fitzpatrick and Kayton Berenger. In junior pairs, Adele Zhang and Andy Deng won their season debut. They, of course, are preparing for their JGP debut coming up in Istanbul, just a couple of weeks away. Kayla Smith, who's Andy's former partner, did compete in the Novice Women's event. Other Chris Kinnearum teams including Quinn Nguyen and Aiden Strakey, which I remember from the Ice Dance event last year. They've switched over to pairs. Well, they won the Juvenile Pairs event. Uh, Gabby Kaplan and Matthew Sawyer finished second in Intermediate. Well, moving on to Sherwood Invitational, which took place in Sherwood, Oregon. It was an NQS for singles. In the Junior Women's event, Kira Hilbelink won the event. Her older sister... Malay finished in second. Very cool there. And there's another sister that competes as well. So we've got a lot of those siblings. It's kind of cool. Junior men. Two men in the event competed. Um, Andre Kratyuk won his best competition of the season, scoring over 160 points. So Atlanta Open, which was the NQS for singles, took place in Alpharetta, Georgia. I believe Melanie was there doing the official photography. In the senior women, Ting Shui won the short program on Friday night in her season debut. She brought back last season's amazing flamenco, Naya, program that was choreographed by Colin McManus. She finished second overall uh, to Michelle Lee, who won the free skate, uh, skating to last season's music from The Hours and Twilight Films. Wow. Mm. There was no senior men's event. In junior men, Alexander Fagan and Kirk Haugito landed seven triples apiece and placed one and two. Emiania Blakic won group B with the highest total score of both groups. Juliana Farrell won group A. We will have those results in our show notes as always. 
Um, there were non-qualifying events going on at some of these competitions. We do include those links yes. to um, in our show notes. Yes. Well, this week was Champs Camp, and Monique Coleman, who played Taylor in the high school musical movies, was at Champs Camp. Now, Monique posted pics with her and the skaters, and the skaters posted photos with her. Monique taught a workshop on authenticity and finding your voice, developing your brand. Uh, Now, Monique has taken up figure skating recently. If you check out her Instagram, she's posting videos of herself learning to skate. It's really cool. So we may need to talk to Monique, get her on the podcast and ask her why she took up skating. But she looked like I was looking at her Instagram a lot during the week in addition to the skaters and seeing what they were up to at Champs Camp. And she looked like she was having a ball being around the skaters. And so um, hopefully they passed on some advice for her as she's picking up skating and she passed on some advice to them. So I think that was really cool. So British Ice Skating's August Qualifier took place in Sheffield. This was the senior debuts for Fear and Gibson and Becca and Hernandez, who plays one and two. Carnes and Carr finished third. Um, They, of course, debuted at the Quebec Provincials uh, just a few weeks ago. They had a brand new free dance to Keeping Me Alive by Jonathan Roy. Um, the interesting thing, too, is Fear and Gibson are skating a Rocky free dance, and that made the rounds <laughs> on Twitter. It sure did. <laughs> it is definitely out there, so people should go check that out. Becca and Hernandez, of course, are moving up from junior after finishing fourth at Junior Worlds last year. Um, they aged out, so now they're in the senior ranks. Uh, Carnes and Carr were not that far behind Becker and Hernandez after the rhythm dance. But again, with a brand new free dance, it's only a week old. It does take time to get that to gel. Um, I was able to watch some of those performances and I'm excited. I like this. There's a little bit of depth now um, in British Ice Dance and I hope that it just continues to grow. Yeah, and I'm keeping my opinions on programs. I know a lot of people were going on social media talking about Fear and Gibson's Rocky program um, until I actually see it myself, uh, not on a fan cam or any of those videos. I'm going to just wait until I see it like at the Grand Prix or at Worlds and make my comments then on it. So I think it's an interesting concept. I do too. And I think it needs more time for me to form an opinion. Um, You don't, when it's a fan cam, which I truly appreciate Mm -hmm. the people who have posted the videos, because it's good to be able to see like the essence of what a program is or the structure, but it's, again, programs change so much between now and even the first Grand Prix. I want to give them time Mm -hmm. to let the program percolate and grow and change. Uh, But yeah, it did generate a lot of commentary (laughs) on social media. And Gina and I will have an opinion, but we're reserving the right to not uh, share it at this time because we need to wait and see it a couple more times. Well, also this week was Friends on Ice and there were a lot of posts um, on the Instagram for Friends on Ice, and we'll include the link in our show notes. 
Well, moving on to general skating news, the roster for Junior Grand Prix in Budapest was released, and it will be linked in our show notes. The ISU updated some Grand Prix rosters, uh, men and women. Uh, Nicole Schott of Germany is not going to compete this fall season, so uh, the ISU removed her name from her, um, her two Grand Prix events. And Jimmy Ma has been added to the roster for the Grand Prix Espa, um, taking Finland's to-be-determined spot. That has not yet been confirmed on the U.S. Figure Skating International Assignment page, um, so hopefully that'll get updated soon. So, U.S. Figure Skating emailed a letter to Matthew Reeb, who is Director General of the Court of Arbitration for Sport, requesting a seat to observe Camilla Valieva's closed hearing from September 26th through the 29th in Lausanne, Switzerland. Um, The letter was signed by the nine athletes who are still waiting to receive their medal. Um, It's been over 500 days, and they've missed out on that moment, um, that Olympic moment when it comes to this. But this is about so much more because it's also about anti-doping and a violation that... um, continues to kind of mar the sport until this gets sorted out. Um, and and the U.S. is not the only um, country that's waiting for medals. Japan is also, as the third place team, waiting to get their bronze medal. And if things are overturned and switched around or invalidated, it also affects the Canadian team who finished in fourth. Um This was really, you know, to quote the letter, the world has watched this unfortunate series of events unfold with no clear answers. Granting us an opportunity to observe the hearing would give us athletes greater confidence in an understanding of the process, and it could also boost the public's trust in the ultimate decision and the Olympic movement overall. And I have to agree. I think that there needs to be some transparency here to help kind of build a trust between um the sport with the sport within the sport within the olympic movement i think fans are pretty fired up about this still because they you know they empathize with the athletes that are going through this and there have been some comments coming out of russia um we're not really gonna share them here um it's it's just definitely it's still a very fire charged issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they should have a seat. I mean, automatically they should be allowed. Somebody should be allowed in that hearing, representing mm-hmm. this U.S. team. Um, I already have my thoughts on who that person should be from the U.S. team. Me too. Um, and I'm thinking we're guessing the same person, but yeah, I mean, they need to be a part of this hearing. They need to hear exactly what is going on transparency that they haven't gotten through this whole entire process so um i hope this um is you know granted their request is granted they should not be having to hear what is going on in this hearing from somebody else they should actually be in there so they can hear what is happening this affects them it has affected them for more than 500 days Um, they need to be a part of hearing what the solution or what the result is going to be. Because 
we say this hearing is September 26th to the 29th, and they have already told us that the public isn't going to even hear. Who knows when the public's going to hear? And if this team, a representative from the team is not even at that hearing, they're pretty much like everybody else, the public, in waiting to hear. So maybe... Right. Ha- and to me, yeah. they're the only ones that are entitled to right. hear anything. Right, right are the athletes that are affected right. in this case. And I think it's incredibly frustrating to to know that there's, again, closed-door meetings with a high, with a highly um, supercharged issue such as this does not help the situation. It only makes it even more secretive. And that's not what, I, I just think the Olympic movement is about something so much bigger. And in order to do the right thing, whatever the decision is, it needs to be transparent. Yes. For the athlete's sake, it needs to be transparent. Agreed. U.S. Figure Skating announced its partnership with Rydell, a competitive skating boot company. Rydell will become the official supplier for U.S. Figure Skating. Well, moving on to recent articles and interviews, Golden Skate did an interview with Emily Chan and Spencer Howe. It talks about his injury and surgery and their preparations for this season. One thing I do want to point out with this article, there's a mention of Alexa Kinnearm and Brandon Frazier and the word retirement. Um, They have not come out and announced that they have retired from competition yet. They're just not competing this season. So I just want to clarify that. I think a lot of people, I was seeing people post about the article and say, hey, wait, I didn't think they retired. They haven't. Um, in the article, it did mention they were have retired. So I just want to clear that up. But the article is focused on Emily and Spencer and his injury, his surgery, and their preparations for the season. Well, Anything GOEs had this very cool interview with um, called A Conversation with Team Japan, where Izumi Yonayama talked with Shunsuke Nakamura, Yamashita and Nagata, and Kishimoto and Tamura to discuss their new programs and looking ahead to the 23-24 season. There is a Japanese version of that article available as well, so you um, so yeah, check it out. Well, Dance Magazine, and you know, I had Dance Magazine at my dance studio when I was growing up that was always around, did an article about how three ice or three dancers became figure skating coaches and choreographers. And those three dancers were Jeanette Corneau, Jimmy Manners, and Brooke Mainland. And it talks about, they discuss their approach to skating choreography in the article. So it was nice to see Dance Magazine covering figure skating. Yeah. So Rob Brody posted on his substack. He did an interview with Kaya Ruder. Well, Golden Skate has a video with Ted Barton and Mark Hanready, and it's about a coach's life. I think they're doing, it's like an audio version of it too. So I don't know if they've got a little podcast going on too, but... Um, definitely check that out at Golden Skate. Yeah, they've had a couple of videos that they posted. So I think this might be a series Mm -hmm. that's ongoing. So we'll see. U.S. Figure Skating had a Breaking Barriers article where figure skating in Harlem finds culture, friendship, 
in South Africa. And U.S. Figure Skating Fan Zone had an article with um, a Hayden Nets synchronized skater who switched from competing in the regular senior um, competition to the new Elite 12 division. So she talks about, it's from her perspective, and she talks about why she went, made the switch from seniors to the Elite 12 division. Very interesting article. Well, moving on to social media updates. Ashley Wagner graduated from college. Well, congratulations to Ashley. Retired pair skaters Camille Ruest and Drew Wolf got engaged. Now, they were the 2019 Canadian bronze medalists. So congratulations to Camille and Drew. So Tara Lipinski has started a podcast, and it's not about skating. It's actually called Unexpecting, and it dives into Tara's heartbreaking infertility journey. She co-hosts it with her husband, Todd Campostasi, and it chronicles their five-year quest to start a family with vulnerability and humor, and they're tackling a lot of the complicated issues that are surrounding in vitro, fertiliz- in vitro fertilization as well as infertility. And they just do it in a way that's very sincere, but it has a lot of candor. Yeah, I'm glad they're coming public. It's such a hard story. And I'm hoping with this podcast that they'll be able to help others that are going through this same unfortunate journey. Um, And I'm wishing them, hopefully, some good news will come along the horizon um, and that they'll be able to start their family really soon. But I'm hoping this podcast will help other others dealing with the same thing. I have a friend who has been struggling for, I think, five years now, and she really wants to have a child. So I'm going to recommend this podcast to her. So we have program announcements, but as usual, Gina's just been updating it like crazy with so many things going on. Yes. So definitely go check it out over there. Um, Hopefully I'll have some updates this week to add. Moving on to upcoming events for the week. As we mentioned earlier, JDP in Austria is happening this week. I think it's called Cup of Austria, actually. So that's happening this week, but that's not all. Nope. And we have our first pairs at the Junior Grand Prix because there's pairs at this competition in Austria. But we also have NQS events. Golden West is an NQS for singles and pairs, and it's taking place in Irvine, California. Sugarland, Texas is hosting Skate Houston, which is an NQS event for singles. And we had Champs Camp this past week, and now we've got Skate Canada's High Performance Camp in Mississauga, Ontario. Well, that brings us to the end of our planned content. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com. Social media, including the site formerly known as Twitter, at this WK in skating, and then Facebook and Instagram. It's this week in skating. We're also on Threads, the new social media platform from Meta. We love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We appreciate all the support that we've received via email and social media. Please keep it coming. And in our final mailbag discussion, of the summer because we are going to sunset this for a bit because the skating season's in full swing and we don't have as much time in our episodes to devote to mailbag. 
Our question for you for this week was, since we've recorded 96 episodes, which episode of This Week in Skating has been your favorite? And we did hear from a couple folks. Well, Jennifer Como on the site formerly known as Twitter said the interview with Josh Ferris, since we haven't heard from him in so many years, it was great to hear how well he's doing. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. We enjoyed talking to Josh and hope to have him back on the podcast in the future. Well, Stardust and Sarcastic Droids said the following. I love the episode y'all did with Olivia Smart. She's such a charismatic skater and person, and the conversation flowed so well. I learned a lot about her life, but also about random things like Olympic diplomas. <laughs> yes! Right? We didn't know about Olympic diplomas either until no. we talked to Olivia. We learn a lot, I think, on this podcast, mm-hmm. especially in the interviews. Yes. Um, we will have some interviews coming up for you. Um, again, we've been busy with the end of summer stuff. But we're we're in full swing now, so yeah, no turning back will, now. The seasons, <laughs> no, seasons underway. We do, however, like to end our episode talking a little bit about what's going on on our respective websites. I've been rather busy over at IDC updating profiles and uh, just working on various things. Um, Anne had this great article with the Carhartts. Her skating family. We're talking, of course, Adrian Carhart, her sister Helena, Marion, who's an intermediate ice dancer, and then Veronica, who skates intermediate singles. So Anne did a great job with that article. It's up. Check it out. We also have the final installment of Solo Dancing in the Desert. Anne had talked with some of Naomi Lang Strong's skaters over there. And uh, so those final ones have been posted. And I also did a new team series article on Anna Watt and Nikolai Bellabardin. And finally, photos from the JGP in Bangkok. I've posted rhythm dance, free dance, and awards. There are some practice photos coming as well. And I will have a photographer in Linz for the Cup of Austria. So those pics will be coming. How about you, Gina? A little more of a quiet week over at FSO. Actually kind of working with the team to kind of figure out what everyone is going to be doing this season. Who wants to cover what? Who's doing this? So a lot of behind the scenes stuff is what I was doing over at FSO. Kind of getting ready for the season, working on um, a website still, two actually websites, um, athlete websites. So nothing that you physically see on the FSO website, but some stuff going on behind the scenes. Things are coming here really soon. So yeah, so nothing that I can physically give you a link for at the moment, but hopefully next week I should have a site to launch. So uh, stay tuned for that. Well, before we sign off, we wanted to mention there are a few days left to contribute to the uh, to the Kickstarter for Pirouette World Edition. Um, the last couple days it's been very busy over there. The Cost for the GoFundMe is $6,004 USD, and so far they've received $5,241 USD. Um, they're very close, but there's only a couple of days left. It's exciting. I want them to reach this goal, so if you got an extra dollar or two, ten, send it their way, because they're getting very close, but if 
this doesn't get funded by in full by I think it's 6 p.m. on August 31st, um, they will not get to receive the money. Like it will all just be refunded to everyone. So again, it looks like what seven hundred and fifty dollars. There, that's it, yeah. guys. We can do this. All we need is seventy-five skating fans to contribute ten dollars. Well, I will be seven, the first of those seventy-five, because I have been reminding myself that I need to do it. So I actually, as we are closing out this podcast, I am going to go and do it right now. Well, we appreciate everyone for sticking with us and following us on this podcasting journey as we continue into the second figure skating season of coverage. Um, I wanted to remind everyone that we have switched our recording day from Sunday to Monday. So future episodes will come out on Tuesday morning. That will allow us to get all of the news that come out on Monday, all of the news that comes out on Monday, because there's always a lot and we miss it. And so we didn't want to do that anymore. So again, watch for us or check your podcast players on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern for a new episode of This Week in Skating. Yes. With that, we have reached the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have an 